Hi, this is Cam Smith, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia every Sunday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website. Hey Cam, yes, we what? have news. What, what, we have oh news God. about you. Oh no. Yes. <laughs> I've been warning you all week because you don't like blowing your own trumpet. It's a very nice trumpet, but it doesn't often get played. Yes. So uh, I wanted to uh, highlight the fact that this year you were acknowledged this week mm-hmm. uh, as a legend of the Melbourne Food and Wine Festival uh, Industry Recognition Awards. Um, no dinner this year, unfortunately. But each year they uh, select individuals around the Melbourne food and the greater Victorian food scene to honour. And this year, Cameron, it's you. Which is good and very well deserved, may I say, without any any undue irony or sarcasm. <laughs> After 33 years of uh, doing this, doing what you're doing yes. right now, it's uh, amazingly well deserved. So congratulations from me and from Triple R. And we're going to have Pat Norse on a bit later on to embarrass you even further. My, my ears feel hot under these headphones. <laughs> they really do. Uh, um, uh, thanks, Matt. And uh, yes, uh, yes, that happened. It was an incredibly amazing honour. Mm. Uh, one of the people, Zenon from uh, Melbourne Food and Wine Festival, rang a few weeks ago. And he had previously asked me to recommend, uh, to nominate oh. for three people. Mm-hmm. So this Friday afternoon phone convo I thought was just to talk about that and... Blow me down. Feels like other people have nominated you, which is uh, yeah, good. Yeah, and you said, Cam, uh, it's it's you, mate. This year, the education communicator is you. So, which is very well, and of course, there are other legends. Of, and when that we get is onto going, them. To, and we will be speaking to Pat Nurse, and he's yes. the creative director of Melbourne Food and Wine Festival, and that would be. Um, the focus that I would like to see for the interview is to talk about the laudable others who are great and have won, and that should be our focus for said interview. Well, good, good luck with that. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, thank you. I, I don't want to appear ungrateful, but I'm, this isn't something that I do very well. <laughs> I'd be honest with you. What else is on the show, then? Rosemary Stanton. Dr. Rosemary Stanton. Dr. Stanton, out in the glorious unlockdown New South Wales. Oh, yeah. She had a bit of problems with some floods a while ago with oh. um, too much rain. Oh. Big tree came down. Uh, but t- she's going to be talking about nutrition during lockdown. And she's uh, also going to be talking about uh, hyper-processed foods and how we really – well, that might be my wording, not hers. Okay. Uh, over-processed food. How's that? There you go. It's not, yes. too, not too hyper. Yes. Hyper foods. Um, so, yeah, we're going to talk to her about that. And there might be some policy issues that might come up because this is the great thing about speaking to Rosemary because yeah. – she is a policy wonk. She's gone. She's on many envi- advisory panels. Yes. Uh, I wonder if there's much policy work happening right now. If there is. There is good. There's a few papers hanging around, so that's what she said to me. So, uh, anyway, we're going to. It's nutrition. It's that vibe. It's um, it's about moderation. That's yep. what she's been preaching for years. Yep. We're going to check in with her, and um, you might have noticed around the house that there's kids <laughs> that don't go away. <laughs> have you noticed that? No, we do. We love you, kids. That's why every day is Children's Day. Yes. Yeah, remember that one? And big ups to all the parents big out there that, the are, parents. that are unexpectedly uh, and uh, contained with their offspring 
more than perhaps they bargained for. And, and also a big hug and recognition to the ones that are doing it tough with the kids at home. Because yes. There is some stress out there, but we might have something for them to do. Mm-hmm. We've got uh, Jane Grills, great educator. Yes. Uh, up there in Castlemaine. Yes. Uh, Jane is also the greatest back of house coordinator for any food show or mm-hmm. production in the Southern Hemisphere. Mm-hmm. That's a big call. Hyperbole. Sure. Why not? It's the afternoon. <laughs> we can just throw a bit of hyperbole out there. Notice I didn't say the world. No. I'm being, you know, like that. So um, she's going to do uh, food science, which I think involves water and oil and... Well, hang on. Hang on. Back up. What involves water and oil. Not normally the safest, safest of bedfellows. No. Well, it was ones that, that wouldn't mix, and that's the thing about mm. them. And we're going to have her on in a sec, actually, and Where's she's going to preview what we need to get. I'm right here. Oh, and clear as a bell. It's like you're just standing <laughs> next to me. Just down the road. Yes. You, yeah, you've had your coffee in Dalesford? I have. I have indeed. I've gone to get my Schultz milk. Mm. And, uh, oh. and I actually had to buy a couple of things for our little science experiment. Ooh, now, okay, so this is good. Now, um, tell us all about it, Jane. So we're just doing a little oil and water experiment with things that you should actually have in the house, which is just a little bit like two jars. I'm using the, you know, the Meredith um, marinated feta jars. Oh, yes, with a gold top. Yeah. Brassy yep, gold top, top. Yes. Yep. yes. Are they black? Oh, anyway, I've okay. got so many of those jars. And then um, I have some sunflower oil or vegetable oil, any any oil. The cheap just, stuff. You know, a cheap, a cheap, yeah. Yeah, cheap don't you oil. don't use your best drizzling, you know, olive, olive oil for it. No, 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 <laughs> no kids, just, don't use that. No, don't. And and then we have um, then we have like some food coloring. Hmm. And, uh, sorry, just someone was at my door. <laughs> we have some food colouring. So depending on what colours you have, it, you can have one, you could have three. Mm. Um, so it's just adding um, about a tablespoon or two of oil to a jar. And then you basically very slowly, with the little droplets, um, pop in some uh, food colouring. And they form perfect spheres that then... Um, go down to the bottom of the jar, and then you add water to it. And stop. Stop there, Jane, because we don't want to give the whole thing away. Let's just say you need some water. You need some oil, and then you're going to need some food colouring. And to find out what happens, we will come back to Jane Grills at the end of the show. So, Jane, we're going to let you go and get another cup of coffee. Uh, Beautiful. And we're going to get back <laughs> I to you. I need one. <laughs> now you're, okay. you're caffeinated, girl. I am. And uh, I am. we will speak to you very, very shortly. Jane Grill standing by with her uh, lab coat on and clipboard and food colouring at the ready. At his smile, with his warm bearing, and his great knowledge, and his slight eccentricities that he has. Pat Nurse. I had tickets. I had tickets to see Toots back in... February. Do you remember that alternate reality <laughs> year that we're all going to have? We're yeah. going to see some music, some legends of yeah. reggae. Maybe at the zoo. I think it was. Oh yeah. Actually, I think they cancelled because of concerns around smoke inhalation. Yeah right. Which some, some in the Mayhouse my queens it. thought was a pretty hilarious thing to do. Though for, the uh, people from the reggae scene. But, oh the uh, irony. <laughs> oh yeah. the irony of that. Yes the. Uh, the spanner was thrown into that, 
And um, yes, didn't, didn't happen. Did not happen. Have you been... 2020, back? 2020 was my number. Whoa, whoa. Whoa, whoa. You know, the only thing good about 2020, really, that I've discovered is I don't know if uh, you work on a keyboard like most people do. Matt's giving... I just beam the words directly from my brain onto the, onto the page, but oh. I've heard of these keyboards. Oh, okay, well, you've got a, a much better Mac than I have then. Um, but uh, if you go 2020, it's just 2020. Ah, nice. It's kind of nice. It's got this nice rhythm to it. That's the only thing good about this year that I've been able to, uh, to well, ascertain. You've got to take your wins where you can get them. I, uh, uh, Philippa Sibley, name drop alert, was, was saying to me back saying when you could see people, Yes, um, she's very fond of uh, the Douglas Adams book, The Meaning of Lif, which takes a bunch of funny-sounding English place names and then Adams made up um, definitions for them. And her favourite one, I'm a little bit hamstrung into telling you this story because I can't remember the word, but her favourite one is a word that describes the feeling you get when the container you've selected for something turns out to be the perfect size oh. for that something. Is that a German and, you know, word? Of, of a, yeah, well, of a day I'll be pouring you know, leftover X into container Y and it'll be just right. I'll be like, hot damn nurse, you've done it again. Yeah, that's that'll f- be the highlight of my entire week. That's a fist pump moment. It's like, yeah. Uh, yeah all, but all there are other highlights to 2020, Cam. Some say there are, and I'm, yes, there are. Such as? I, come, I bring my own, own segues. Go on. Um, one of the highlights is the chance that uh, me and my pals at the Melbourne Food and Wine Festival had to honour uh, a new uh, class, a new intake of intake MFWF legends. Um, and the legends program, as I'm sure every each and every single one of your listeners is aware, has been running for as long as the festival, since 1993. And it honours the men, women and other of our great state who um, make the state great in ways that we can eat and drink. Yeah. And there's some amazing people on here. There really, really are. And um, there's there's also some some great sadness because... um, can I start off with with that maybe and just twenty uh, twenty's local hero, uh, yes, sis- yes, let's. sister Malaspina, um, the yeah, great a, a joint a joint prize for yes, sister with, and and his um, partner Nino, Nino. Pangrazio. Yep. Um, so at the end of last year, um, almost a God. week, almost the same week to the day that that um, Sisto was murdered, yes. Nino retired, thus ending, I don't know how many years, I guess they what, they bought the place from Pellegrini Brothers in 72, 70, yeah, that's, that sounds about right, yeah, 72. An era, right. I yeah. think an era is, is a, probably the better way to think about it, an a, era that really... A generation? Um, yeah, an era that really, and, and sort of an epoch that defined a particular style of, of Melbourne hospitality, mm. um, and just a way of a way of doing things and a way of being, you know, I mean... Uh, I, I don't have anything to add to the huge pile of, of accolades and, and remembrances that, that Can I just, um, I'll, I'll brought add. out when, when Sisto was killed. But the, you know, the fact that he met people as they were <sighs> and, you know, really embodied hospitality in its essence, I think. Yeah, I, I think I'd like to me. add something to that in that the, I found uh, I was devastated by that funeral. 
I really, really was. I was just so sad. In fact, it's, it's bringing a tear to my eye, thinking about the the senselessness of his loss, and uh, and what an amazing person who personified hospitality in this certainly in this city, um, and and how he affected so many people, and how he remembered so many people. So that was absolutely great. Another one who has made us better in this city for what we drink, uh, how we drink it, and uh, the manner in which all that drink is displayed, even. And uh, I would uh, tip my hat. I doff my lid to Jessica and Paul from uh, uh, from Blackhearts and Sparrows. That's, no, it's, it's, that's it's a bloody easy, beauty. It's easy to take for granted how much those guys have done. Oh, that's little, huge. Uh, the guys, the capital G guys have, uh, I mean... You know, there's always been there's always been great independent bottle shops, um, but I think these guys have really affected a shift across the board where there's now a really big piece of middle ground between sniffy super specialist shop and take your case of beer and fuck off. Did you, you know, say? Can you just say that again? Because I loved it so much. Sniffy. Yeah, you know, you cork sniffing yeah. type oh, yeah. bottle shop. Oh, yeah, I got a sniffy super specialist. Uh, and no, we only sell uh, St. Henri in, in boxes of six. And, and I mean, I, I think that some, you know, some of these things, when we're looking at these hospitality awards, some of these people are coming up with hugely innovative ideas. They're really rethinking what hospitality means. Mm. Others of them, you just think, geez, it's not rocket science. You know, like, drinking is supposed to be fun. Yeah. So these guys had the brilliant idea of why don't we make a shop that's fun to go to mm. and enjoyable where you can sort of, the, the buying of the wine is as much fun as, as, nearly as much fun as the drinking of the wine. Like, I don't know about you, but stepping into a Blackhearts, uh, whether it's the, you know, many, many sh- shops here in Melbourne or the outposts of civilization in Canberra and Hobart, mm. um, it's a lot of fun. It's shiny. It's welcoming. You know, it's, it's that kid in a candy store kind of feel. Uh, and then you get to walk away with wine, which Woo! is even better. Well, beer. So, and they've done and they've, they've done great things for. Oh, yep. They've done really great things for. Um, you know, people who bottle stuff that's small or interesting or, or different, and you know, they've always given as much. Um, attention to beer as they do wine. You know, they've always recognised that that's in Victoria, that's as important and interesting as, as the great wine we make. They've really privileged um, local and artisanal spirits and cider and even unclassifiable things that fall in between. And I think that's that's awesome. Shall we just let say so you know, Pat? So you've got your internal clock running. We've got about five minutes for this. Go to, faster. To yeah, we probably should. Uh, okay, let's go. Maybe maybe a little bit. But uh, one person that really needs to be recognised for the effect she's had on cuisine, uh, the diaspora that she's helped to create, and the standards that she set. Tansy Good. I okay. Well, if we're, if we're keeping it tight, I can't talk to you about all the people who <laughs> passed through her kitchen who have gone on to do amazing, amazing things. But let's just say Karen Martini 
Rita McCarley, not one but two McConnell brothers. Matthew Maddie and, and Andrew. Andrew, yep. Um, Rita McCarley, you got Philip the Philip Sibley, yes. you know, there's, and there's, there's, and Gerald Diffie, the great Gerald Diffie from Gerald's Bar, of course. You know, there's a lot of people who learned a lot of things from Tansy Good over the years, whether it was in Carlton, Spring Street, and now, you know, even um, the great work she's doing in Kyneton. Um, I mean, talking to Andrew McConnell about this award, he said, again, talking about things that we take for granted or things that seem simple, he said that Tansy was the first person he first chef he knew who really championed growers. Yes, regionalism. Which is, again, you know, kind of standard. That's very days, French. But someone has to do the work. Someone has to get out there and, and do that. And that's, they're the people we like to honour with, with um, Melbourne Food Wine Festival's Legends Program. Those people who actually did the work and got out there in front. People, Cam Smith, such as Gary McBean. Mm. Butcher extraordinaire. From Gary's, Gary's Meats. Meats, yes. Um, putting both the Gary and the quality into Gary's quality meats. Um, talking to, if you look at the, we've got some great interviews if you want to hear from the legends themselves on the Melbourne Food and Wine Festival website. And there's a great story Gary tells about the fact that he's been a butcher for, he's 60, he's been butchering since he was 15, but if you count the five years he was sweeping the sawdust, that means he's been a butcher for 50 years. Wow. Wow. That's your, your 10,000 hours and then some. Yeah, that's muscle memory. <laughs> that's for, that's, that is for sure. Um, also, we should also maybe give a little gong to uh, Kate Shannessy, who took some really, really good pictures and videos. Well done, Kate. Kate, if you're listening, they're, they're great images and the interviews are wonderful. Um, mm. I particularly enjoy the interview that Kate did with Kevin Luscombe. Kevin's probably my name that you know that's familiar to you unless you're um, deep into the Victorian food scene, but yeah. he is the guy behind the scenes making it all happen for, for many, many, many years. Um, one notable thing he did in 2005, he plucked a dewy-eyed food writer by the name of Matt Preston hmm. um, to become the creative director of the Melbourne Food and Wine Festival, uh, which did good things back in the day and continues to do good things today, time. I think. Yep. Um, and Matt, in turn, um, today describes Kevin as the Yoda of the Victorian food and wine scene, which I think is um, pretty amazing. God, he looks and amazing. He looks a little bit like John Gielgud. Yeah. Don't you think? In the best possible way. Oh, absolutely. God, is she One of our legends who looks less like John Gielgud, and I hope she takes this in the spirit which is in, it's intended, is Loretta Bolton. He doesn't look like Loretta, Jane. doesn't look like Gielgud at all. Loretta is the winner of the festival's Host Plus Trailblazer Award. So legends are generally for people who've put in at least 15 years' service um, in hospitality in the great state of Victoria. But we also have this award for trailblazers. It's kind of self-explanatory. Um, and Loretta has blazed a trail using the table in the kitchen as a platform for social good. So she founded an organisation called uh, Free to Feed, have you had have you had Loretta on the show, Cam? Do you know I Loretta? Have, I have not. I've, I I know Loretta, but I haven't had her on the show. Which there you go. Uh, which we will we've got to, we've got to uh, change that too. Uh, short version is Loretta uses um, food and food culture to help seekers of asylum and refugees um, find their place uh, or find a place in Australia um, and find employment and create employment and also um, bring their own culture with them along the way, which I think is really 
fantastic. A very um, Melbourne thing, we would have to say. A very Melbourne thing. I mm. probably only have a few minutes to sneak it in, but it's really important that we get in this next legend. Um, Go on. Got about 30 seconds. Tremendous amount for the Victorian food scene over more than three decades. Um, a person that Jill Duplay, the head of the Legends panel, describes as the most committed, enthusiastic foodie in Victoria, a person who is close to all of our hearts and one of the great food and drink communicators of Australia. I am, of course, speaking about none other than Cameron Smith. Oh, Jesus, my ears are getting hot under the headphones again. Yes. Um, I know you're blushing and this is hurting you to hear this, but Cam, I think I speak for everyone who listens to the show and beyond the tireless work that you've done over so many years to promote so many talents, big and small, through the show has had immeasurable benefit to the eating and drinking in the state that we enjoy today. And I just want to say hats off to you. Thank you so much for the work you've done and continue to do because it's hugely appreciated by everyone who listens and everyone who eats and drinks in this state. Cam Smith, you legend. <laughs> Matt laughing in the background. Thank you very, very much, Pat. Um, yeah, it's, it, it, thank you very, very much, uh, Oh, God, it sounds so cliche, but it is humbling. Um, I can't believe who I'm up with that I'm rubbing shoulders with on that roll of honour. Um, it came out of the blue because uh, Zenon rang me on a Friday and I thought it was the nominations that I was giving that he wanted to talk about, but he said, no, mate, we've gone for you. So thank you. And also to all those people on the socials, Instagram, it's been really, really lovely with all the kind of things. So thank you very, very much. Thank you, Cam, and, and thank you, check Pat. out Cam's story and everyone else on melbournesinwine.com.au. It's a great place to be. Great, and we look forward to hearing what's uh, in your pot later on um, in the next few weeks. Stay strong, um, stay isolated, stay safe, Pat. Love you, buddy. Thank you. Huzzah. Huzzah. <laughs> Rosemary Stanton, a very, very good afternoon to you, Rosemary. Thanks, Cam. We've got about 10 minutes to talk about uh, isolation and nutrition and hopefully how they shouldn't be mutually exclusive. <laughs> Look, there's some good things about being home more and one of the good things that many people have, have rediscovered is, is cooking. And sourdough. And, uh, yeah, it's been you know, sourdough, that's right. I've, yes. got a, I've got a bit of mother in my fridge, although he, we, call him, we call him Dave, actually. But <laughs> Dave, that's beautiful. Yeah, just been given to me by um, one of my granddaughter's boyfriend, who's a great chef, and he's just gone away. So he gave me days Dave. to look after, and I used to always make my own sourdough. So I'm about to get going with it again. Hooray! Which would be nice because we, we at the moment live in a rural area, and we have a local woman who bakes sourdough bread, and we buy it from her. But I think I might have a go at myself again because I used to do it for many, many years, so I've well, just got to get some good grainy flour. That's and, um, the thing, isn't it? You, you, you need good flour, don't you? You do need good flour. What you can do, of course, if you can't get the really best flour, is, is find a health food shop that's got some gluten. I know people think gluten is something terrible, and if you certainly if you have a <laughs> celiac disease, it is. It is. For the rest of us, it's just a form of protein, in the, and you find it in the really good bread flours are, are much higher in, in gluten. So you can actually buy some gluten, and if I'm just making a pizza dough, I'll add a spoonful of gluten to my regular flour, and you get a really good good dough from that so because it's sort of all about thing. it's all about building up that protein the network isn't it 
Yeah, that's right. And you get a good good crust for your pizza, and it's you can roll it out quite thinly, and it still stays nice and crisp. But that's that's one one thing you can cook. But I think a lot of people are also discovering that you can actually start off with some pretty basic ingredients, hopefully some from your own garden, mm-hmm. um, and and start cooking things from scratch rather than just sort of always getting stuff out of out of packets. So that's been a, a good thing about COVID nineteen that more people are home cooking and they're rediscovering it and they're teaching their kids how to cook and if everybody's around I mean kids used to learn to cook just because they're in the kitchen when things were happening um, and yeah. they're expected to help and I think that's that'd be something that we should be reinstating but apparently a lot of the kids are sort of learning to cook so that's something that makes us very happy. I sometimes get slightly concerned when I see recipes that are published in the yeah, well, they're published in the Sydney Morning Herald every day. And look, they're often very good, but quite often I, I've been talking to people who say, oh, I made that recipe from the Herald, and I said, but there's only two of you. Did you make the whole thing? Because it was actually meant for four. Oh. And they say, oh, yeah, we, you know, yeah. we just had a nice big serve. And I was thinking, well, <laughs> just make sure that if you're cooking for two, you, you cook half the quantity of a recipe for four. So um, it's not a, you know, or else cook it and freeze the, the leftovers. I mean, if I'm cooking some things, I'll make twice as much and freeze half of it, So especially things that are long, slow cooking. It's such a oh. great option, isn't it, having a braise in the freezer? Oh, it is. You know, oh, it's the something best. like lamb shanks that we, we don't eat much meat, but we, we are pretty fond of lamb shanks. As one of my daughters used to say, if it wasn't for lamb shanks, she could easily be a vegetarian. Really? But, uh, well, they just taste good, you know, but I always yeah. cook them long and slow, but it takes a long while, and you've got the oven for, on for a long while, so I always make enough for two meals mm. and then freeze the other half, which, you know, works pretty well. But So you've got to make the right amount, and you've also got to make sure that your cooking doesn't mean that you're just cooking um, lots of cakes and desserts. But, you know, go for the... <laughs> Go to the basics, the, the veggie dishes and some cooked lentils and chickpeas and some of those legumes that are so nutritious. And there are some fantastic recipes around these days for them and with lots of um, different spices and you add the individual spices, you don't just buy a packet of something. Uh, and if you're doing that, you you know, you get good cheap meals. Um, in fact, if you're not eating out all the time, you're going to save quite a lot of money. And dare I say, if you're going to get uh, legumes in your diet, you're getting a whole bunch of fibre, which is a good thing. Oh, absolutely. It's not only fibre, it's all those things that we call phytonutrients, all the, the people, their flavonoids and flavonols, and there's a whole, there's stacks of them. Mm. And all of those legumes are really rich in them, so that they're, uh, as well as giving you protein and iron and zinc and all those sort of um, things the that we, we're things. always talking about. And yeah, what about so lentils? Lentils, someone said oh, to me, are really, really good because they clean out uh, the intestines very well with the fibre <laughs> that they have. Is that true or is it just wishful thinking? The lentils are very good for you, but all of those legumes, they certainly will uh, increase what you're expelling from the body, and that's a good thing. Ah, Um, But lentils are good because, I mean, these days in Australia, we've got those blue-green lentils that we grow here. We've got black lentils. We've got different varieties. They don't need to be pre-soaked so that you can cook them fairly quickly. You know, they don't don't take two hours of cooking. Like like Um, some of the beans do. Yeah, like some of them do, but they're, they're, so they're good and they're fantastic in soups and things. So, and dare yeah, I say, we should be getting onto those a bit more. Those lentils, which I have to say, lentils are really good because we've been saying it for thirty-three years here. Um, are brilliant uh, underneath a shank too. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Lamb that's that's and very French. Is my standard sort of way of doing things, and uh-huh. you, you 
you can get far more out of the, you know, you don't have to have a huge serving of meat when you've got some of those other things in there. You so put it's a, it's herbs in your lentils? Sorry, yeah. sorry, Rosemary, I'm crashing into you, and my apologies for that. Um, do you put, what sort of herbs do you put with your lentils, just out of curiosity, if you're going to do cook those lentils for the shanks? And they don't have to be vegetarians, just so you know. No, you can, you can look whatever you've got in the garden. I always yeah. have. Uh, naturally, I have my namesake um, pretty pretty near the kitchen door. There's plenty of rosemary growing around our place. So, so those uh, well, resiny herbs, like thyme, goes really, really yeah, well with thyme lentils? thyme is good. You, it, it does. It, it's wonderful. Marjoram. Um, yeah. I mean, you've got to be careful if you're growing marjoram. Grow it in a pot because it really can become pretty invasive for the whole of the rest of the garden. A bit like mint, you know, but mint is obviously always good with, with those sort of things too. But what... Whatever herbs you've got, and, and even if you just had some of those things called dried Italian herbs, which you can, you could buy a mixture yeah, of them, they're yeah. pretty good in any of those long, slow cooked things as well. Except, I'm going to have to, I'm, I'm going to do it right. Dried basil is one of the most disgusting things on the planet. There you I go. absolutely agree with you. I mean, basil is something Thank that you. you need to have fresh. Oh. I get a bit annoyed when people put basil recipes in in the winter because um, it's really quite hard to get decent basil. Yeah. I do, actually, we have a bit of a, a pesto um, problem in our house in that we absolutely love pesto. Pesto problem. <laughs> Tell me more, Rosemary. Well, I use it as a base. So if I'm using pizza rather than a tomato base, I use pesto. But what I do in the summer is I grow copious <laughs> quantities and I always yeah. grow lots of garlic. And I make the pesto, but I don't put any cheese in it. Yes. Uh, I do. I mean, I put cheese on later, but when you, I make it ahead and then I put it in little packets. There's only two of us living here, so just big enough for the two. I put it all in little packets for two yeah. and freeze it. But it, I found it freezes much better if you don't put the cheese in. You can put the cheese in later, but just the, the garlic and the olive oil and lots of fresh basil. No pine nuts? And nuts. I, put, I use nuts, and I very often use, um, I, I find that macadamia nuts are terrific, yes. um, especially if all the pine nuts come from China, which they often do, and I'm yeah. not... And, a, not, and a rancid? Have, well, they're often off, yes. Yeah, so they're I already gone. In, yeah, so in Australia in the summer you can get um, good Australian um, macadamias, and they do very well, but I make those little packets of pesto, and then we use that in the winter, and if I, I can put a dollop of that on top of any kind of soup, you know, it's yeah. really as well as the base for pesto, obviously, with the pasta. But I do find that I absolutely agree with you that dried basil is not a herb that I really want to use, but you can use the fresh um, basil and freeze it. Rosemary, I love you. This is why we are, <laughs> we are such kindred spirits. Can I give you this? I never thought I would actually say this sentence, but can I give you some advice, Rosemary Stanton? Absolutely. I can't even believe I'm saying that. Wow. Um, ice cube tray. Um, so that when you get all your pesto organised... Put them yep. into the ice cube trays, then you freeze them, and then yep. you have pesto cubes. Absolutely, yes. No, I, I have done that. that in the past. No, no, I also do it sometimes with cream. <laughs> yes. Because we don't eat a lot of cream, but some, sometimes you just need a couple of little ice cubes of cream in a sauce or something or other, and so I will get some cream and freeze it in the ice cube things and just, you know, you just sometimes need it for the for the texture in a sauce, but I don't want to put a whole container of cream, and since we're not going to be using it all the time, I freeze cream too, so it works as well. And, and I do it in the little ice cube thing, so works very well. One more thing, Rosemary, before yeah. uh, we do go. Also, we um, actually we won't go on to policy. Just the, the whole notion of, um, of uh, ingredients in food and over-processed food, maybe we might just, in, the, in a minute or so, could you just address that quickly? 
Yeah, look, I really think that we look at the, about half the calories in the average Australian's diet are coming from what we call ultra-processed foods, and these are things that have been highly manipulated. They have all sorts of ingredients, if you read the list, that you've never heard of, yeah. uh, that never grew anywhere, and these foods, they also tend to have be high in fat and starches and any one of four, more than 40 different kinds of sugar. But sodium, the don't think it's sodium. they've got all these thickeners and acidity regulators and anti-caking agents mm. and stabilizers and a whole range of basic junk um, so that if you doesn't if you're pretty sure that the things in that product never grew or had any life um, then probably it's a product that you should have on the very occasional if ever uh, list of things that you're going to eat so you know cook from scratch but if you're eating those highly processed foods um, they really are causing some problems in the diet, but I think at this stage when everyone's sort of realising you can actually cook, that if you're at home working, you can always take a little bit of time just to stick something in the oven, even if it takes a slow cooking. It's a good idea to have those instead of these hideously processed things. And if you want to know what all those different things are, you can look up um, Australia, Food Science Australia New Zealand. We'll have a list of all the additives, and they've all been sort of tested and they say each one of them safe but the new research is showing that a lot of those additives actually are changing all the good bacteria in your intestine in an adverse way so you know we, we really do need to go back to fresh healthy sort of stuff and stop thinking that we can you know make up for it with stuff that that really is produced in a factory and never really grew. Agreed, Rosemary. And the other thing is, of course, there is an interesting correlation between what they say is our second brain, which is the stomach, and good gut health is... Uh, uh, there's a correlation with mental health as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we can have good, good gut health by all of those things. If foods contain dietary fibre, they're nearly almost always the sort of things you need um, for good gut health. So, you know, we're back to the legumes, I'm afraid. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Rosemary Stanton, you make such great sense. It is such a joy to speak with you. Thank you so much for all your tireless efforts that you bring. Jane Grills, are you there? Hello, Cam. Oh, you are there. Yeah. I'm here, and I just wanted to say congratulations, too, on that amazing award. Well deserved. <laughs> Having worked with you before at all those food festivals ago, um, yes. you, you are amazing. Well, that's so, where we well first done. met, wasn't it? It was, yes. <laughs> Melbourne show. And that's, and that's why I call, yeah, we were a couple carnies together. Um, <laughs> yeah, Jane Grills, educator and the best back-of-a-house coordinator in the Southern Hemisphere. <laughs> You're the best, girl. Oh, thanks. You know, I miss about, doing uh, those things. I really, really oh, do. absolutely. Yeah, they'll come back, Cam. One I day. I have hope. Yeah, no, yeah. no, we'll, one day we'll, <laughs> we'll be up there at, I don't know, the Fromage Festival in Werribee. I think it was one of the – Werribee Park was one of the last. But That's anyway, it. we're it's here to talk about kids. We're here to talk about food science um, to uh, hopefully – well, why do we want to do this, Jane? Tell us. Well, science is everywhere. Science I like that. involves, you know – Everything. Good start. You know, there's polar science, there's food science, yeah. there's weather science, there's blood science, there's, you know, and rock it's science. Rock science, like everything literally is a science. And so, you know, if a kid's got an interest in something, just look into the science of it, get pique their interest. And, um, yeah. you know, that, that, there's so many experiments on the internet. There's and, science um, in a boiled egg. Oh, I love it. 
Don't start me. We've been me. doing that um, this week, or oh, just before lockdown, and it was, um, you know, the science of an egg is extraordinary. Oh. And we even went to, you know, it takes 24 hours for a chicken to lay an egg and how, and we had, you know, I did, did big diagrams of how the ovary or the yolk is released and it travels down the oviduct and it gathers the albumin and then it gathers the thin albumin around the stick. And then, you know, and I never really actually even thought of that, how it was formed. And, you know, and the most amazing thing about a chicken and an egg is, um, you know, they get half an hour's rest and then they start making another egg. Like, they're amazing. <laughs> no wonder they do that big cackle when it's all over. It's like, wow, I can have a rest for half no. an hour. I know. Half an hour break is... Yeah. <sighs> and we did it. We did an experiment Crusty the chicken. Where... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Tough gig. Yes. I know. And so, you know, the shell is porous, the yeah. calcium carbonate. And then, you know, we did that. Like, I really love edible food experiments. They're my kind of... Yeah. Um, yeah, they're my... Sign food. me up. Yeah, and so doing, I think we spoke earlier in the week about the Chinese tea eggs, and so, you know, you boil an egg and then you can look at the sulfur ring, you can, you know, it's, it's endless. But then if you make the Chinese tea eggs, the flavour of all the soy and the tea and the orange rind and the cloves and the cinnamon and the Chinese rice wine absorbs into that egg, Yum. and it goes kind of black, and it looks really, you know, it's it's challenging, but if the kids do it, and they crack the shells and then all that, you know, yummy flavour is absorbed, then, um, you know, it's kind of, kids like a challenge. And yeah, they it's like cool. eating it's, a challenge. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, and it's, it's not, you know, it's not like those ones where they bury them in potash for... Oh, the thousand-year egg. Oh, I can't do this. It's just a bit too freaky. Because um, for yeah, the, those that haven't had that, the albumin turns green. Um, yeah. and uh, and the yolk goes to this sort of weird paste. It's an acquired taste. Let's just put it there. Yeah. I haven't quite got to that. But, you know, we, no. we, we work on it. Now, we've only got a few minutes left because Matt's okay. holding up his fingers, four fingers. Right. That means four minutes. Okay. Tell us this experiment you would like us to do. So it's just a cheap and easy experiment. Yep. So it's basically with your jar, I'm doing it now, I'm just pouring in, you and know... you were saying before, Meredith uh, cheese jar, so... Yeah. look, any jar. Any, any jar. jar will so do. pouring in um, a couple of fingers, so getting your kids to measure how big their fingers are and pouring oil up to there. Mm. And then just putting, just using a pipette, or if you have the food colouring that comes in the tiny pipettes, um, you just... Puffing gently, and then it just comes. The food coloring comes out in these tiny little spheres. Oh, you want to so say you want it? You don't want to drop it from a height. You want to place it as close to, and then give it a little squeeze. Most of the people have the food coloring in those little uh, plastic vials, so you should be able to get the nice little uh, little droplets. That's right. And the um, and the what happens is that um, there's more molecules in. Um, water than in oil. So they'll sit on the top and when the surface breaks, they'll sink to the bottom. Mm-hmm. And so what happens is there are these perfect little spheres. You then, um, you know, play around with that for a little while, put as many colours as you want in there mm-hmm. as much as you like. And then you add water to the top of the jar. Right. Give it, give it a shake. Yes. And it goes... Depending on how many, if you use all the colours, like we would, Cameron, yes, um, it goes a very dark 
um, puce. Sort of almost a purple puce. There we go. A terrible colour. Once puce. you um, wait, because yeah. the oil, the water sinks to the bottom. As I said, it's got more molecules, and the oil stays at the top. Yeah. And what happens is the colours actually start to separate. Yes. And um, you and know, come they, out in these little threads, almost back yeah. into into solution. Yeah, it's it's super fun. Like, I've actually had a really great time doing it. So, you know, I'm 46, so <laughs> it's pretty much, Woo! you know, it's fun. Look at <laughs> yeah, this. Exactly. Okay, so uh, <laughs> let's just go through it again. So um, two fingers uh, in a jar of oil. Yep. You add yep. the um, the water-based food colouring to that. They then will exactly. not mix because oil and water don't mix unless you emulsify, and that's another chapter we'll do later on. Exactly. Um, uh, and then you add water, shake like uh, agitate vigorously, or shake the shit out of it, um, and mm-hmm. uh, and then it will slowly come out of solution, and it uh, kind of looks cool. Yeah, and once it does, like, it'll never completely separate. Like, I've got one sitting on the windowsill at the moment, and it's, it's all puce now. But once you, um, after a few minutes, those colours start to stream down, and it's, um, you know, it's fun. And there's so many things you can do with food colouring. Like, we did the um, celery stick, stick um, making a solution of water and um, food colouring, and then you stick your celery stick in it, mm-hmm. and basically transpiration happens. So the celery... What's that word you use then? What? Transpiration. Transpiration. What, what yep. does that mean? So it means that the celery... In um, 30 all the seconds. Cells, yes. Yeah, is, is taking up the water through all the cells, and it actually, if you use the food colouring... Um, it will make the um, leaves of the celery and all the ribs, it'll change colour. So it's sort of like capillary action that we use with, um, with yeah. fibres. Wow. And there's great yeah. things that you can do with that. Food Science for Kids on YouTube is a good place to start. Um, yeah. And Jane will be back and we might do more of these because I, I can see this is a, a good segment that we can continue on. Uh, it's a ripper. Kids love science, everyone. Yeah, and uh, we we love being able to explain things. Jane, you rock. Love you. Big hug. You too, Ken. Thanks, mate. See you, mate. Uh, Bye. Bye. Um, Can I just, before we go, Matt? Of course. um, I want to just um, say a huge, Mm. sincere thank you. We talk about this in the past, the people that run towards danger. Yes. Um, All our healthcare workers. Yes. God, you guys are amazing. Hi, this is Cam Smith, and you've been listening to the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Sunday. Hope you enjoyed the podcast, and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website. 